millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teachatluke.co.uk. Hello, you're listening to Luke's English Podcast, and I hope that you're uh, feeling good about yourself and feeling good about the world, because um, that's the sort of mindset that you should have, really, in general. If possible, you should try and maintain a positive outlook. You should try and be an optimist, um, if you can. Uh, it's it's always good to look on the bright side. Try to remember that the cup is uh, half full, not half empty. Do you know that expression, you know, the cup's half full or the cup's half empty, which is just another way of saying that if, you know, if you believe that the cup is half full, then you're an optimist. And if you see the cup and consider it to be half empty, then you're a pessimist. To be honest, um, any cup, unless it's in some kind of vacuum, is always 100% full. It may be 50% full of, of H2O, of water, but the remaining part of that cup is not empty. I mean, there is air in there there's you know all the molecules and stuff that you get in air so it's completely full unless somehow you manage to get a situation where you've put that cup or that glass into a vacuum and you've managed to find the exact 50% spot uh, within that cup if you've managed measured the surface area of the inside of that cup and then you've managed to perfectly drip you know tiny amounts of liquid until you've reached the perfect 50-50 ratio inside the cup then uh, I suppose then you could say that it's half full because it's in a vacuum there's literally yes okay I don't think we're supposed to uh, think so in depth about expressions like this or the cup's half full the cup's half empty that kind of, I don't think we're supposed to really think about it too much but uh, sometimes uh, I can't help it to be honest um, anyway you're listening to Luke's English podcast I hope you're feeling positive um, you should be because here's another episode of the podcast if that is reason to be positive and, and why not if you need an excuse to feel good about yourself then why not use this as that excuse? Here it is, another episode of Luke's English Podcast for your listening pleasure, brought to you by yours truly, uh, Luke Thompson. And that's right, I'm the guy who does this podcast. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome. Um, I know that I've recently um, probably had a few new listeners coming on board. Um, for example, maybe as a result of being... Um, entered into the Macmillan Dictionary Award competition again for the fourth uh, year running. Usually when that happens, uh, a, few people, a few people come and check out the website. Uh, they click on the link from the Macmillan site and then they have a look for the first time. So if you're brand new to this podcast, then welcome. Um, there are lots of things for you to check out uh, in this free service. Um, you can, oh, well, I, obviously, of course, I recommend that you visit the website uh, which is uh, teacherluke.co.uk. Uh, I, I always say that, uh, but um, really because the website provides you with uh, an accompanying service to this audio download. Um, you could just listen to this, 
um, and just you know just listen to it and I think that's what most people do based on the statistics I get in terms of visits to the website and listens to the podcast most people I think just listen to the podcast which is great but there is uh, lots of stuff available for you as well on the web page including things like transcripts and um, little questionnaires and polls and uh, other things like that um, and a whole archive of every single episode of the podcast so far um, as well as lots of other stuff, lots of other content that you may not be aware of. Um, if you go to the website and you click the All Episodes Archive, you'll see a big list of every episode uh, that I've ever published, along with some other little extra bits and pieces, including unique audio recordings that I've done for the website, uh, videos, um, written blog posts, and other stuff. So you might want to check that out. Um, I did recently do an episode... Um, called uh, Welcome to Luke's English Podcast and 16 Things You Should Know About Luke's English Podcast. That is number 251. And if you are new to the podcast, well, check it out. Um, Have a listen to that and it will tell you most of the stuff that you need to know about uh, being a listener to uh, Luke's English Podcast. Um, it's, It's pretty straightforward, really. All you need to do is just listen to the show. Listen to it regularly. Just engage with it. Um, Try and follow what I'm saying and just um, just let me take you on a little audio journey. Um, listen to every single episode from beginning to end. I recommend that you do that. I also recommend that you listen to episodes more than once uh, because that's a good way of just um, getting the language uh, deep inside your head. Um, you also need to activate the language as well whenever you... Um, you know, pick up new words and things. I mean, there's on one hand, just engaging with me and listening to this and trying to focus on what I'm saying, that obviously will have a knock-on effect, which is that you'll acquire the language in a sort of general passive way. You should try and activate language that you're learning as well by doing speaking, doing writing and things like that. One of the ways you can do that is to write comments on the page and pretty much every single page on my website has a box at the bottom where you can add your comments and uh, there are forums as well on the website where people are sharing information, sharing Skype contact details uh, so they can find their Skype friends um, online and then uh, you know, get together and have uh, conversations online. Skype is an incredible thing. The internet I mean, I don't need to say it is an amazing thing, and uh, we should all be making the most of it uh, as much as possible. Um, so anyway, welcome to any new listeners. I hope that you uh, explore this service and get the most out of it. I hope you manage to take uh, take advantage of everything that's available to you here. Um, all of the old listeners, now I call you old listeners, I mean, you may not be old. In fact, I know that some of you are really quite young, but um, I say old, I mean long-term listeners, let's say. Hello, uh, and welcome back to another episode. I wonder if you've been waiting for this one. I wonder if you have. Um, I get the impression that some of you have, just from comments I've read. Things like, where's the net? Where's the latest episode? We're waiting um, well, uh, here it is. It's actually happening right now. Um, it, of course, it's a busy time. The university semester has begun again, and uh, I've got loads of classes there, and I'm also up to my ears in work, in which is coming in from various different directions. I'm not complaining. No, no, no. Of course I'm not complaining, but I am saying that uh, it means that I have to manage my time. I don't always get the opportunity to uh, sit down and record podcasts whenever I want. Um, at the beginning of the year, I had a bit more free time 
and therefore I was a bit more productive. I've said this already. Uh, I'm sure I have in recent episodes. Oh, that was my phone. I should put that on silent so it doesn't disturb us. Yes, um, you know that uh, I've got work and stuff like that, uh, which is great. Helps to put food on the table. You know, I'm sort of bringing some... I'm, I'm not the... Am I the breadwinner in this household? Let's not go into that. But I'm certainly helping to put food on the table, paying the bills, all that kind of thing. Bringing the bread home, literally. I mean, I did that today. Went to the bakery, the boulangerie, and I picked up my uh, my baguettes, walked home. I'm living the Parisian dream. I really am. Uh, the Parisian dream, which is, of course... Um, the fact that you can just walk around uh, very in, a, in in very nice clothing, you can proudly go out in your in your best clothing, uh, parade yourself around the place, sit in cafes, discussing life, the universe, and everything, drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. That seems to be a, a Parisian person's hobby: is to sit around smoking cigarettes, flicking the the cigarettes into the street. Which um, I think is a sport that the, the the French could try and and get introduced into the into the Olympic Games, the the cigarette flick, because they would be very good at that, very accurate. Um, they managed to flick the cigarette across the pavement, into the gutter of the street, and uh, the target, of course, is to flick the cigarette into the running water, which sometimes runs down through the gutters of the streets here in Paris. Um, and uh, it's a bullseye if you manage to flick the cigarette into the water, and then you can, you know, sit there uh, while the uh, while you watch the cigarette butt uh, get washed away by the water. It's really it's perfect, really. Uh, that's the Parisian dream. And you sit there and you eat cheese and drink wine and and uh, and uh, just look at other people walking around the city and. Um, you know, judge them. <laughs> that seems to be the way it goes. It's great. I'm getting used to it. Um, I'm gradually becoming more and more accustomed to life here, and it's it's very nice, very comfortable. I'm you know I'm settling in quite nicely. Thanks very much. Some people ask me how long are you going to be here, and when are you when are you going to go home, Luke? Because we've had enough. We're we're tired of you. No, they don't say that, of course. But they but people do sometimes say, what are you doing? What are your plans? Are you going to stay there forever? Uh, no idea at this point. No idea. Who knows? Uh, we will just we'll have to see. But you know, who can account for uh, the the directions that life will take you in? Um, to an extent, I'm going with the flow here, and who knows? I might end up in France for a long time. Uh, we might go back to London. It's something we talk about a lot. Going back to London and finding a way to live in the city again. Who knows? We might live somewhere else. We might move to Australia, Canada, uh, or any number of countries. Uh, the future is uh, um, the future is open. It's yet to be written. That's the beautiful thing about the future is that we can make it. We can create the future ourselves. We can. We don't know what's going to happen, but we can try and you know uh, push ourselves in certain directions. It's exciting, don't you think? Don't you think the possibilities, all the possibilities for the future, are just. Uh, almost endless you can just you know if you put your mind to it you can pretty much achieve whatever you want i believe that i think that if you're driven enough and motivated and you work hard enough and you're organized i think that you can do whatever you want to do um i told you didn't i at the beginning of this episode that you should be positive when listening to luke's english podcast uh, and i'm just trying to you know enforce reinforce that uh, feeling um because um when you're learning English, when you're learning a language, and in fact, when you're just moving through life in general, it's very important to stay positive. 
Don't let negative thoughts drag you down. Life's too short, okay? Remember that. When you're just, you know, out and about doing your business, um, just, you know, responding to all the challenges that life throws at you in its various ways. Remember to stay positive, you know, try and keep a an happy outlook uh, because, you know, it could be worse. And I honestly believe that if you try to remain positive and try and see the good things in, in what's going on around you, um, that actually you're more open to opportunities and you're more likely to get opportunities, to, to actually get the benefit of opportunities. If you walk through life all negative, assuming that everything's bad, that, that whatever you do will end in failure or embarrassment or something, then you're just going to miss so many things. So I think really what you've got to try and do is be positive. Don't worry about making mistakes. Just consider consider that to be part of the learning process. Um, and remember that when you're older and you look back on the moments that you're having now, you won't regret the things that you do, I think. I mean, obviously, it depends on what you do. Uh, but it, generally, it's the things that you don't do that you regret. You know, you regret the things that you didn't do. You, you, you know, you, you think to yourself, why didn't I talk to that girl? Why didn't I give her my number? What's, what's the worst that could have happened? Or why didn't I go for that job? Or why didn't I, you know, why didn't I do that risky thing that um, I stopped myself from doing? Uh, because ultimately, I think what we're scared of is making ourselves look stupid in front of other people. Um, I've read somewhere that the th- one of the things that people care about the most is the way that other people see them. Now, that might sound a little bit, I don't know, uh, sort of selfish or self-oriented or something, but I believe that there's a lot of truth in it. If you think about yourself, be completely honest with yourself, what is it that stops you doing the things that you really want to do? What is it that, wh- what's that voice that tells you, no, you can't do that, no, you better not do that? Uh, it I think it comes from within yourself. Now, you might try and say that it comes from an outside source, like it's, oh, it's my, you know, my family judging me or the restrictions that have been placed on me by other people. Um, But really, I think those are just excuses that we make for ourselves. And ultimately, we're the ones who are driving our, our, our futures. We're the ones who are in control. We're in the driving seat, aren't we? Um, we're not passengers in our own lives. We're sitting in the driver's seat. So ultimately, it comes down to you. And the good thing about, I don't know what, this has become a self, self-help podcast, hasn't it, this episode? Uh, just randomly, but it has. This is, this is what we're talking about, so we're going to keep pressing on. Um, what was I saying? You need to be in the driver's seat of your own life. Um, because on one hand, the risk is that if you take, if you go out of your way, out of your comfort zone to do something and it doesn't work, then you're going to feel bad because you feel responsible for it yourself. You know that you can't blame it on anyone else. But if you are sort of strong enough and you've got the mental determination, then um, even when things don't work out, you don't beat yourself up about it, you know, because you know you're giving yourself a chance. No one else really cares. It's all about the way you judge yourself. Um, So don't beat yourself up if things go wrong. Um, even though you may be the one responsible for it, just you've just got to try and see it as a learning opportunity, and realise that ultimately, you know, you're as you you can determine your state of mind. Um, I remember once re- realising something. I was just walking down the street, and I realised something about the idea of regret. 
okay now do you ever have those moments where you're just sort of i don't know just like little moments in your life where a thought suddenly occurs to you it could be when you're lying in bed trying to sleep or you know getting the bus or in the shower in the morning suddenly a thought just comes into your mind that makes you feel bad like it could be something that you did or something you didn't do and you think oh god why did i do that or why didn't i do that um that's that feeling of regret of thinking i wish that i hadn't done that now um Regret is only something you have in hindsight. It's something you, you, you experience when you look back on something, okay? And, and I was thinking about this and I thought, well, if I go through every moment in the present now, if I go through every moment thinking, I'm not going to regret this. I'm not going to regret whatever I do right now. I know that I'm doing the best I can and that I'll have no reason to regret it. And in a sense, you're, you're um, securing your future. You're preventing those moments where you look back with regret. Because when that does happen, you realize, oh, well, no, there's no reason to regret it because I was just doing my best. And in fact, I was just doing what was the right thing to do at that time. So, for example, if you spend the afternoon sitting on the sofa watching crap TV and, and eating ice cream and you feel bad about it, I would say, don't feel bad about it. Just choose not to. And in fact, say to yourself, I'm just giving myself the day off. I'm eating some ice cream. I'm watching a bit of telly. Okay, because that's what I've chosen to do at this point. And uh, I'm not going to regret this because I chose to do it. Do you see what I mean? It's a sort of uh, a, a, a way of ensuring that you don't regret things in the future. But also, it just makes you try to, try to do things now that uh, won't lead you to that moment of regret. Yeah, okay, all right. Now, I'm, I'm not one of these self-help gurus. You get these professional people who kind of talk about this stuff um, uh, forever. They just go on and on and on about all this self-help stuff. I'm not a self-help guru, but that just suddenly occurred to me. I don't know how quite I ended up at this point in Luke's English podcast, this episode, but, but it seems the overriding point here is that you should try to be positive, okay? This is the positive optimistic um, introduction to this episode. I say introduction, it's been 17 minutes. Um, Anyway, anyway, anyway. um, Okay, so I started recording this episode today because uh, I knew that um, some of my listeners might be waiting for um, another episode to appear. And um, I had a little bit of time, so I thought, okay, uh, I'll, I'll switch on the recording equipment and i'll start saying some stuff i don't really have a specific um uh agenda for this episode um so this is all kind of just coming off the top of my head really um which is fine because i think that some of those episodes are are very popular ones the ones where i don't uh, prepare anything they're usually quite uh, quite popular aren't they um now i could have done uh, i've got a, a lot of uh, episodes lined up things ideas that i've had that are half formed slightly um like partially prepared episodes um which um i could tell you about but i I actually i'm not going to uh but i've got some sort of half prepared stuff but i didn't have time to go into those and um like uh work on uh you know preparing them and everything and then recording them i just didn't have time so i thought that i would just switch on the microphone and just record some stuff and i've you know i've just got i've i've made a very quick list of things that i'm going to mention uh but this is rather a random and um uh, unplanned episode which does happen on luke's english podcast from time to time because of my working uh schedule 
That's right, I did say schedule, not schedule. I've been through that before. Schedule, American English, schedule, British English. Yeah, there you go. So, of course, <laughs> of course it's schedule. Although many people in the UK say schedule, uh, schedule as well. So, uh, you know, more people say schedule, to be honest. But uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm staying true to my roots and I'm saying schedule. Um, okay, so I'm going to go through this list of general stuff. Um, first item on the list, be positive. Okay, I've just added that in there now. Be positive. Uh, don't worry, be happy. Look on the bright side. Always look on the bright side of life. The cup is half full. In fact, the cup is 100% full. Um, either with, with uh, a liquid, probably water, or just air. Okay, because we're not, you know, the cup is not in a vacuum. You know, those, there are the, lots of these sayings and questions and things like the cup is, is the cup half, half full or is it half empty? If a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there, does it make a sound? Which is meant to be one of those sorts of um, conundrums, which is impossible to answer. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the logic being, well, if there's no one there to hear the tree, um, how can we say for certain if uh, the tree made a noise. I mean, if you don't experience something empirically, you know, firsthand, if you don't see it or hear it, how can you be absolutely certain that it's um, that it's happening? Well, to be honest, how can you be certain that anything is happening? Because, um, uh, we, I mean, we trust our eyes and ears and our senses. We trust them to be telling us the truth of what's going on in the world. But who knows? Maybe your ears are wrong. Maybe you're, you're not seeing correctly or hearing correctly. Maybe you're hallucinating. Maybe your sensory system is malfunctioning and you're, um, you're seeing and hearing things not as they are. Uh, who knows, really? Who knows? Now, let's. you could use the scientific approach to answer this question, which would be to look at the evidence that we've got about the world um, which is that when trees fall they make noise I mean we you know every time you test that every time you stand in front of a tree um, and listen to the sound then you hear a noise and you know all of the tests previously that have occurred have suggested that that's what will happen next so we can assume that even if you're not there it still makes a noise so that's one thing we can theorize that yes if a tree falls in a forest and there's no one there, it probably still does make a noise. We can't be 100% sure, but based on previous data, it seems that the tree is probably going to make a noise. Now, the other thing is, my personal opinion is that... Um, um, okay, all right, here's another version of this. Now, in fact, the tree, when it falls... Okay, it's not the tree that's making the noise. It's actually your ear that's decoding the uh, the way that the environment is affected by the falling tree. It's your ear that interprets it that, that interprets that disturbance in the atmosphere as noise. So, in fact, there does need to be an ear in order to in order for there to be noise. You know what I mean? Okay, so when a tree falls. Um, it disturbs the, what is it, the molecules in the atmosphere, the air. All the molecules in the air are disturbed. There's a wave that passes through them all. And that wave hits your ear and it vibrates the bones inside your ear. And you, you the, those vibrations are converted into brain waves, you know, electric signals in your nervous system. And your brain registers all of that as noise. And we hear it in our, in our 
ears or in our minds as sound <coughs> sound of a tree falling but really that's just the 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 uh, sound waves moving through the the air so if there's no ear there to pick up those waves then there's mm, see what i mean then there's no noise yeah it's still not exactly the the answer to that problem is it what do you think if a tree falls in the forest does it make a noise i want you to let me know what you think and what do you think of my slightly half-baked theory about the idea that there needs to be an ear present in fact if you're not there then it doesn't make a noise because there is silence unless there is something to to actually uh, uh decode the information as a noise hmm i hope this is making sense it should do it makes sense to me it's just that maybe i'm not able to communicate it quite as clearly as i would like and it's rather a complex philosophical conundrum what's that word for a conundrum um what's that word for it it's a hold on there's a specific word that goes with these sorts of philosophical ideas that are kind of impossible to understand impossible to solve like you know the statement um i always lie and that's the truth that's an example of this thing i'm talking about i always lie and that's the truth now if you always lie that means that you're lying now which means that you don't always lie which means that you always tell the truth and if you always tell the truth it means that you're telling the truth now and if you're telling the truth now it means that in fact you do always lie and then we go round and round in a circle so what's the word for that uh, i know that some of you know uh leave a comment under this episode of the podcast but um i mean i'm i'm using the word conundrum which is like a puzzle an enigma a mystery a brain teaser a riddle um a problem the sort of thing that your brain struggles to deal with um that kind of thing um but um there's one specific word that goes with that thing i always lie and that's the truth i don't know why but my brain um is is teased my brain is stuck uh it's um uh, finding it difficult to think of that word i'm let me have a look at the uh thesaurus here and see if i can find uh uh the 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 equivalent word the the word i'm looking for no i can't find it if you know what i mean let's see if the word comes to me during this episode but if you know what i mean then leave the word in the comment section of this podcast episode teacherluke.co.uk what's the word for a philosophical conundrum um a thing that has no logical answer like for example i always lie and that's the truth is he lying or not we don't really know um and the idea of is if a uh, if a tree falls in the forest does it make a noise it's not a fallacy because a fallacy is is just something that's not true there's something that uh seems to be true but actually isn't no anyway um i just googled um if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there does it make a sound and i ended up on the guardian's website and there are a bunch of comments like loads of comments that relate to this um ethical philosophical conundrum so if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there does it still make a sound and we've got things like um uh well it depends on what you mean by sound um the air waves would still vibrate but without an ear or listening device to receive them there would be no sound that's what i was trying to say that's what i was trying to say earlier on that one was sent in by someone called um alan fraser from darlington in england um and uh, conaldo in london in the uk says sound is something within human experience 
or animal experience. Outside of that, it's just air or whatever the other medium. For example, it could be water. It's just the air vibrating. So if someone is there to hear it, it makes a sound. If not, it causes rapid movement of particles in the air. So I think that's the answer. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no ear there, either a person's ear or an animal's ear, it doesn't make a sound. Boom. Next question. Next question. Okay, here's another one that um, uh, uh, Buddhist monks who are meditating uh, try to think about all the time. And the question is, you have to try and imagine what is the sound of one hand clapping? What's the sound of one hand clapping? And the idea is, is it's the sort of the sound of nothing. Or is it? Because what is the sound of one hand clapping? I'll show you. It's this. There you go. That's one hand clapping on itself. Does that work? Is that does that does that work? Is that uh, does that count as an answer? I don't know if that counts as an answer. Anyway, that's the sound of one hand clapping. Or the other sound of one hand clapping um, is uh, is this. Because what I'm doing is I'm us- leaving my left arm still, and my right arm is my right hand is clapping against my left hand. So that's the sound of my right hand clapping because it's. You know what I mean? The right hand is is moving. The left hand's not doing anything. The right hand, mm, no, that's not really good enough. Or the sound of one hand clapping is silence because, of course, it's silence because there's nothing for that hand to clap against. So it just, this is the sound of one hand clapping. Ready? That, that was it. It was the sort of sound of the air going... <laughs> That was the sound of one hand clapping. There you go. There's another one. I wonder if those Buddhist monks in Tibet would like me to tell them. Maybe I can go and visit them. And do, 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 do. guys, uh, it's okay. Break off the meditation. I've got the answer. It's okay. No, it's okay. Don't worry. I'm Luke from Luke's English Podcast. I've just, I've got something to tell you. Hello. Wake up. Can you wake up, please? Yeah. Look. Um. I, you know what? You want to know the sound of one hand clapping? I've worked it out. I googled it. This is it. Okay, right, you can, you can go and do something else now. I'm sure you've got lots of other things to be doing. You just had to try and work out the sound of one hand clapping first. Oh, sorry, you want me to go away? You want me to piss off? Oh, okay. Yeah, that may be what would happen uh, if I interrupted their meditating session. Obviously, it's... I'm not sure that's um, the same kind of conundrum. I think that's just a help, something to help you meditate, something to help you think of nothing in particular. Um... Anyway, there are others, like, for example, um, um, how long is a piece of string? Which is, do you know that phrase, how long is a piece of string? Um, hmm, which is the sort of answer that you give when, it's it's a bit like saying, well, it depends, doesn't it? Okay, um, think of, let me try and think of a good example of that. How long is a piece of string? Well, how, well, how long is a piece of string? Okay, um, it's like the response that you give when someone asks you a question and the answer is really not clear or it depends. So it's the equivalent equivalent of saying, well, it depends on the circumstances, it depends on the context. So, for example, how much money can we make from this investment in the next 12 months? Well, how long is a piece of string? You know what I mean? Meaning it depends on the market, depends on um, uh, the market, uh, depends on the market. <laughs> it depends on the nature of the market. Uh, it depends on the condition of the market. It depends on the, the 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 liquidity of the market. 
So you don't know then? No, we don't. We don't know. Um, there you go. But that thing, how long is a piece of string? Um, is just a rhetorical question, which means well, it depends, and you know the answer could change depending on factors. Um, it's like saying, yeah, okay, but I've got the answer to how long is a piece of string. It's twice the length from the middle to the end. Okay, there you go. Just it's twice the length from the middle to the end. That's how long it is. It's not a very satisfying answer, I realise that, but uh, uh, it's an answer of sorts. I think I'm most satisfied with the if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there, how does it make a noise? I think that may be the, the, the one that we've actually answered. Anyway, that's not what this episode is about. It's not about philosophical uh, conundrums and brain teasers, although that would be a very good uh, episode, a future episode of Luke's English Podcast, don't you think? Brain teasers... Um, and uh, and riddles i think that's a really good idea brain teasers and riddles okay i've noted that down and that's going in my list of future episodes which maybe i will achieve in the next 100 years uh, we will see um, i've got a huge list of these things that i've written down that see if i was to do brain teasers and, and riddles as a episode i'd need to don't you think I would need to prepare that somehow? I'd need to go and search for some really good riddles. I'd need to find them all. And then really what would be best is if I could try and solve the riddles myself live on the podcast. The thing is, though, I'm a bit worried that I wouldn't be able to do it, that I'm too stupid. I'm concerned that I'd go through every riddle and I would be too thick-headed to be able to solve any of them. And you would all be listening to it because I know that you're all, you know, super clever people you must be because you listen to luke's english podcast right you can't you, you you're you're clearly some of the brightest and best that we have in the world you'd probably be listening to it thinking it's it's clearly you know it's clearly the wind or whatever you know um so i might make a fool of myself what i'd need to do is get a bunch of riddles that are really good that i know the answer to so i don't look stupid and then find some some people who are slightly less intelligent than me and then ask them the riddles and see how they deal with them. And then at the end, we can all feel smug and self-satisfied in the knowledge that <laughs> we, we, we knew the answers all along. Or, or I could get some riddles that I can't answer and I get some intelligent uh, uh, people around me and uh, we talk about the riddles and try and solve them. But that's going to be difficult because I don't know any genuinely intelligent people. Um, which is kind of a joke, uh, because obviously I know lots of intelligent people. Okay, then. Are you all right? You still listening to this? Um, it's not going anywhere, uh, this episode, really, although I do have a list of things I wanted to mention, but I hope that you're still listening and that you're not going to go, well, I've had enough of that. Of course you wouldn't do that, would you? Oh, no. Um, how much did you pay for this service? It's a, it's a free podcast? So you're getting what you paid for, then? Good. All right, then. So, uh, first thing, be positive. Just have a have a good positive outlook on life. In fact, what you can do is to start being positive, leave a comment on this episode of the podcast saying something positive. You just pick anything, as long as it's a positive statement. Um, and you can preface it with the, word, with the phrase, this is my positive statement, if you need to, just in, if you, if you want to contextualize it. Uh, because, you know, some people might read the comments and think, why are they all writing these things? 
because I asked my listeners to do it. Um, that would be the, the reason. So, um, other thing on my list, uh, the, the Macmillan competition, which um, I keep going on about all the time. I hope that you're not uh, getting too fed up with that. Why would you be? Why would you be, really? I don't know. Um, the voting closed uh, yesterday. Uh, I've got no idea uh, how well or how badly I did in the voting this time. Um, thank you very much if you did vote for me. I appreciate it deeply. Um, if you didn't vote for me, then fair enough. It's a free country, I suppose, depending on which country you're in and depending on how you define the word free or indeed how you define the word country. Anyway, um, in in my mind, uh, you're free to do whatever you want. But if you did choose to vote for me, then thank you very much. I appreciate it. The results are going to be released in a week's time. And then we'll see uh, whether I'm going to have the opportunity to add another award badge to my website um, and uh, whether I can feel, uh, you know, satisfied that I'm doing a good job, that people are happy with me. Uh, But uh, as I said, I've got no idea what the results are. Uh, There were lots of competitors, a big list of other people who were in the competition in my category. I was actually in the best uh, Facebook page category and the best blog category. Now I'm accepting the, the I'm accepting that because I mean technically it's a podcast but if you look at the website then it does operate like a blog with regularly updated um, posts and uh, all the other things that you would normally expect with a blog but in fact it's more than a blog because there are also these downloadable audio uh, files that you can uh, take from the website as well um, so anyway we will see if I win. Obviously, I'll be delighted and touched and proud. If I don't win, then, you know, that's just the way it is. And, I, and I'm fine with that. Um, you know, I can't win everything. Uh, I, and I don't win everything anywhere. I don't, you know, I haven't won the World Cup. I haven't won any golf tournaments. Uh, I haven't even won uh, uh, a game of um, cards with my girlfriend recently. Um, so it would just be business as usual. That's basically what I'm saying. Um, oh, someone just sent me something on uh, Facebook. Um, let's see. Let's have a little look. This might be a private message, uh, in which case I will make sure that the name is, is uh, kept private. What's this? Um, all right. So this is from a listener, and it's a private message on Facebook. Hello, Luke. I only wanted to ask you if you have a podcast about gambling and the lottery. It's for my speaking exam. Thank you from the heart. You are the best. Someone's doing a speaking exam about gambling and the lottery? Really? What kind of exam is that? Like a sort of gambler's test? I didn't realize that 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 I I didn't realize you needed to take a test to to, to in order to throw your money away. I think they just let you do it without any uh sort of entry requirements. I don't know what speaking exam that is for, listener, but uh I don't have an episode about uh, gambling and the lottery, but pretty good idea. I mean, I could, I'm sure I could squeeze some juice out of that topic. Uh, gambling and the lottery. Um, you, you, you might be thinking, why don't you do it now? Well, I can't just do it off the top of my head. Or can I? Um, no, I'm going to add it to my list of things that I will never do. No, that's not true. I do do these things from my list. Uh, gambling and the lottery. I think it's quite a good subject because there's lots of things to say about that. Um, for example, um, you know, all the vocab associated with uh, gambling and betting and risk and stuff like that. 
and the 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 subject of gambling whether it's you know uh, good or or bad thing to do whether gambling should be allowed in society or whether it should be banned the dangers the possible benefits of betting and gambling the place that uh, gambling has in society in the uk because there are betting shops all over the country uh, i think it's a pretty good suggestion listener whose name uh, will will remain uns- unsaid at this point for uh, for reasons of uh, confidentiality um uh, pretty good point and i'm going to write it in the list and who knows at some point maybe uh, before the year 2050 uh, that will be published we will just have to wait and see. Um, so anyway, second thing was, yes, competition. Thanks for voting. Or And uh, let's see. Let's see if I win it uh, or not. Um, and I'm, I'm happy and delighted. Uh, whatever happens, obviously I'll be more delighted if, uh, if I win the thing. But let's just see, shall we? Second thing is, um, no, third thing is, tell your friends about Luke's English Podcast, would you? You, you probably do that already. But um, share the knowledge, share the love. Um, when I post things on Facebook, share the things that I've posted, if you will. For example, when I've put a new episode up, um, share it around. Um, and if you if you think that uh, Luke's English podcast is worth recommending, then you know, tell someone. Think of one person who you think would really like Luke's English podcast. Don't just tell everyone, but pick one person in particular, a friend of yours, or a member of your family, or something like that. Someone who you think would like this in the same way that you like it. Someone who's on the same wavelength as you. Someone who kind of has similar tastes as you. Um, tell them about Luke's English podcast um, and tell them to check it out. That's quite a good way of expanding my audience a little bit. Uh, choose a friend or two and tell them about Luke's English podcast, okay? Spread the love, spread the knowledge. I mean, not just because it's, you know, I want to expand my audience even more, but uh, I think, you know, it could be good for them. It could help them learn English. And what's wrong with that? Um, Fourth thing is the transcript collaboration. I just wanted to remind you that there is a transcript collaboration on the website um, and um, there are loads and loads of transcripts being written as we speak. Uh, In fact, there's a big list of transcripts which have been finished and which I have not checked yet. So, God, there's a huge list of Google documents with finished transcripts on the transcript collaboration page. And now I have to go through all these and, and check them all to make sure that they're all, you know, completely perfect. I'm sure that most of them are nearly perfect from what I've seen the standard seems to be pretty high. But the thing is, I can't publish those on the, the pages for those episodes without being completely sure that it's at least 99% accurate all the way through. You know, I have to do that. I have to make sure that the, the, the all of the wording is right, which is very complex because that includes even the slightest tiny mistake has to be corrected. Um, little things like auxiliary verbs being misheard or words that, you know, the transcriber didn't know that have been left blank. I think all of these things have to be um, uh, included because those are the little gaps that many of you are missing. Um, So, yes, uh, at some point in the future when I've given myself some more time, uh, I'm going to get those things checked and published. But you can see them all 
If you go to the transcript collaboration page on the website, you can actually see them all. And there's loads of stuff there. You can print them out and use them to help you. And um, you could try transcribing for yourself as well. Uh, that would be good. And uh, just leave comments uh, under the transcript collaboration page as a way of keeping in touch with me. Um, I'd like to just say thank you to certain people, uh, certain listeners who I consider to be special, super specialist, um, advanced level Luke's English podcast ninja assassins. Um, and that's uh, Piotr, and, and I think that I'm not sure how to say your name, to be honest. Looks like the sort of Polish version of Peter, but Piotr, um, who has been doing some sterling work on, on uh, transcribing. Um, he is um, a transcriber par excellence, um, and uh, he does some really great transcription work. In fact, he um, ha- also uh, made a video, a YouTube video, which explains exactly how you can transcribe audio and video effectively um, in, and really efficiently. And that video is uh, posted on the, the transcription page, the transcript collaboration page on Luke's English Podcast website. Uh, you can see the video, which kind of will help you to do your transcriptions if you choose to do them. Um, so thank you very much, Piotr, if that's how I say your name. And if it's not how I say your name, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, you're doing really great work. Thank you very much. Um, sorry that I haven't managed to, you know, um, proofread everything you've done. But it's all going into the library and it's all there. And that's going to be invaluable, really, in the future. Um, it's like, kind of like, it, uh, you're making an investment in Luke's English podcast. Uh, because you're adding um, really useful content that I can use in the future when I do get round to um, adapting these things um, that's going to be very useful so thank you you're you're really sort of you know paying me back for the free podcasting that I've been doing in your own way but there are other people too that have been transcribing um, Chrissy um, has given me loads of transcripts thank you very much um, and also just other people who've contributed in some way like for example um, Andrzej Andrew from Poland who's not only transcribed loads of the um, phrasal verb episodes, but he's also been uh, uh, helping me out with sort of managing the transcripts for for those phrasal verb episodes. Thank you very much. Um, Also, uh, just for the general bits of feedback and advice that I've had from various people, uh, Dmitry from the Ukraine, the Ukraine or Ukraine? Tell me, which is the correct one? I think it's Ukraine, isn't it now? Uh, Dimitri uh, has given me various bits of advice and sort of has sort of, um, um, let's say, kind of pushed me into doing various things that I just needed a bit of encouragement to do, like revamping the website and just fixing certain things. Every now and then he just gives me a, a, a poke, you know, just prods me like, why don't you do that? Why don't you do this? And it's like, oh, I don't have time, but okay, that's actually very good advice. So thanks for doing that. Natalia Dalek, thank you very much for all of the um, all of the work that you did in sort of proofreading all the old pages from uh, my website. Old pages which I hadn't looked at for ages. Um, she went through lots of them, pointing out things that needed to be corrected. And that was actually a very valuable um, bit of proofreading service that you did for me. Thank you. Um, there are loads of other people who... Um, having not prepared this list of names, um, I may forget some some of you. Um, let's see, who else is there um, who's made invaluable contributions? Um, John, who um, recently got in touch with me on Facebook um, and who um, has given me some bits of advice on expanding my work. Thank you very much. 
Your advice is very well received. My main problem at the moment is time. I don't really have the time to be able to devote myself to to this project in the way that it needs me to. Um, for example, you know, all the time that I'd need to spend on marketing it and all that stuff that I've talked about in the past. At the moment, I'm just too snowed under with work. But when my timetable um, becomes a bit more open, then I'll be able to devote myself to you know working on this uh, more more carefully. Um, who else is there? Um, just there's loads of people and i'm uh, if if i don't mention your name then i'm really sorry but anyone who's contributed to uh you know this project which i'm doing on my own um thank you okay including people who've donated money uh you're wonderful brilliant human beings and i really really appreciate it thank you you're um as i said you're investing in luke's english podcast i hope that if you donate you feel like some kind of stakeholder in this project by that, I mean someone who's got an interest in it, someone who's contributed. You're sort of like a member of the Luke's English Podcast um, club, in a way, if if you've done something to contribute, rather than just um, listening, just taking from the service, which you can, you're free to do. If you give something back, then, you know, I appreciate it from the heart. I really do. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think you know who you are. If you've helped me out, big respect to you thank you very much um what else um okay so movies all right movies recently i saw taken three and i told you all about it um and i didn't think it was very good even though i did enjoy it i didn't think it was really a a, a very good film i thought it was a bit ridiculous and stupid but in a fun way um but i did see the imitation game uh, or I think it's just called Imitation Game, which is the story of a guy called Alan Turing, um, who was actually a very important person in history. Um, and it's the movie is his story, and the actor is Benedict Cumberbatch. It also stars Kira Knightley as well. Here's my quick summary of what I thought of the film. Well, briefly, the story, Alan Turing uh, was a brilliant mathematician, um, who grew up in England in the 1920s, 30s, and then the 1940s. Um, in fact, I think um, this film is set when he's about 25 years old, okay? And it's World War Two, and uh, the Nazis are um, bombarding um, many countries, including England, uh, which is being bombed uh, mercilessly by the Nazis. Uh, the war is raging all around the world, um you know thousands upon thousands of people are losing their lives every day and the nazis are using a special code an encryption um uh to keep their messages their radio messages uh secrets they communicate using a special secret code um and the code is incredibly complex and incredibly difficult to break and at the ministry of defense they have um, mathematicians and scientists who are trying to break the code code breakers linguists in fact linguists and mathematicians are working on it trying to break it they're they're failing every single day they're failing to crack the code and thousands of people are losing their lives in the war alan turing um, somehow manages to answer a, a, a job um, advertisement f- looking for brilliant mathematicians who are great at solving problems. Um, and he is a genius, this guy. He's clearly a genius, but he's got social problems. He's not very um, comfortable socially. He's um, uh, he's kind of... You know the way that geniuses um, 
are so brilliant because they manage to focus all of their minds on these mathematical problems and things, but it's at the expense of their social skills. So often you find these geniuses are also rather socially um, awkward and, and a bit useless. Alan Turing was a good example of that. I know that the film takes some liberties with the truth. It's not completely based on true... Well, it's based on a true story, but I think many of the events that happen in the film are not true. They've, you know, used creative license to make the film more sort of movie-friendly, to give it more of a movie um, storyline. Um, but um, just based on what I, what I saw in the movie, Alan Turing, very socially awkward guy, and um, as a result of that... Uh, because he's not very good at engaging with people or persuading people or charming people, um, he makes lots of enemies, including people in his team who work with him, who uh, he just um, he offends them with his kind of rational, cold, calculating mind. Um, and um, in the end, well, I'm not going to tell you what happens in the end, but it's a fascinating story and it's a tragic story as well. Because um, what happens to Alan Turing, despite the fact that he is a, a hero who's, who who um, uh, made sure that because of his actions, the war um, finished earlier than it would have done without him. He also saved something in the region of 14 million people's lives. That's what they estimate uh, by cracking this Nazi code and allowing the Allied forces to intercept nazi messages and understand them and therefore fight back against them and ultimately uh you know win the win world war ii i know that whenever i talk about world war ii there's some people out there some of you who probably disagree with some of the things i'm saying which is fine but i know that anything whenever you talk about global politics or war or history there's always someone who disagrees and sees things in a different way, which is just the way of the world, isn't it? But anyway, in my opinion, I think that... Um, uh, I mean, obviously, of course, the w World War II was a horrific thing. And of course, come on, the Nazis were just um, just the worst, weren't they? So, yeah, of course it was a victory. It was a victory for the Allies, bringing the war to a close, stopping the Nazi uh, plan and all that kind of thing. And Alan Turing had a big role in 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 doing that um and so he he's a kind of a hero for for many of us um but um what actually happened to him in his life at the end of his life after he'd done this is actually quite tragic and sad um it's a good film great acting by benedict cumberbatch in particular kira knightley i mean i I, I I enjoy watching her, although I find her to be a little bit mannered. I mean, her performances are seem to be a little bit contrived. I mean, I like her. I think she's attractive. Uh, she's a bit odd-looking. She's quite sort of strange-looking in a way. Uh, but I like her. I think she's got beautiful eyes, to be honest. Um, and um, uh, she uh, brings, you know, that that quality that she has to this film. I mean, you know what I mean. When you see a Kira Knightley film, especially if it's a period drama set in the past, she just brings that sort of old-school English class and charm to these kinds of roles. I found that her, her performance was... I mean, I, I think that her role... Um, she was meant to be a, a, a sort of maths geek. I think... Mm, which, I'm not that convinced that Kira Knightley was a maths geek in this film. She was just a little bit too glamorous. Maybe I'm making a judgment about what a mathematician looks like, but for me, 
I wasn't completely convinced that Kira Knightley was a mathematical genius, math geek kind kind of person. But you know, I enjoyed the film a lot. Great acting. Benedict Cumberbatch is brilliant. Go and see the film. I recommend it. What else did I see? I saw a film called It Follows, which is a horror film. Um, but I found it to be a bit um, adolescent, really. I'm 30-something now. Uh, 30, I'm 37 years old now. And uh, it takes quite a lot to scare me. I don't get freaked out by horror films that are aimed at teenagers or or you know adolescents or anything i just don't get really freaked out by those things anymore i found that it follows was very stylish it looks beautiful um it's very well shot very atmospheric it's got a retro kind of feel it looks like it's filmed in the 80s or something but it's not it's very classy very stylish looking looks really cool um um and uh the story is quite frightening but just not quite frightening enough for me basically it's about a girl who has a a sort of um a bad sexual experience and then after that she realizes that she's been cursed somehow and something a monster a ghost a zombie we don't know what it is really something is following her and the thing is that it could be anyone she doesn't know who it is because um it changes its appearance every time it comes after her and uh, you know that it's coming for her because when when you see it it's just it takes the form of a person could be a stranger could be a person that she knows a person just walking in a straight line towards her so let's say for example she's just had a a class at university and she's outside eating some some lunch with her friends and in the distance across the other end of the field you see someone walking in a straight line towards her Uh, that's the monster and what actually happens, we learn, is that when the monster catches you, it kills you in a very gruesome way. And it's pretty atmospheric and pretty scary, but uh, not scary enough, sorry. And I found that um, I wasn't convinced by the uh, the rules of the monster. Now, in any decent horror film, uh, the monster has to have rules, okay? They have to have clearly defined rules. Um, for example, zombies have got rules, you know... Uh, most films will establish the rules for zombies for example if it bites you you get infected and then you become a zombie or you know uh, if if any of the blood of the zombie touches your skin you get infected you know uh, or uh, the only way to kill a zombie is to chop its head off to remove its brain or to destroy the brain that's the only way to kill it same thing with dracula dracula has rules if he's exposed to sunlight he dies uh, holy water burns his skin um, you can kill him by driving a wooden stake through his heart you know those clearly def- defined rules establish what you know you know what you're dealing with but with this one the rules were a little bit shaky i wasn't completely convinced by uh, the consistency of the rules of this you know it seemed to be for example one time uh, uh, you know it's not clear for example how strong this thing is can it smash a door down or not we don't really know um it's not clear if you can kill it i suppose that's the point the point is that you don't know you know you don't know any anything about it it's mysterious that's supposed to be scary but i just found it frustrating um anyway it follows if you like atmospheric uh uh retro slightly hipsterish horror films check it out but it i, I wasn't completely convinced i i prefer uh, the exorcist i think that's a really scary film um it follows meh it scared me a bit but not enough what else did we see 
We saw Foxcatcher, which is a big Oscar-tipped movie starring Channing Tatum and um, uh, Steve Carell and the guy who plays the Incredible Hulk. Um, what's his Mark Ruffalo. So um, it's a film about wrestlers in the USA. It's based on a true story. And basically, Channing Tatum and Mark Ruffalo are brothers and they're brilliant wrestlers. There's a weird undertone of competition between the two of them. They're very ambitious. They want to become the best wrestlers in the world and win a gold medal at the Olympics. Then there's this other guy played by Steve Carell. He wears lots of makeup. He's changed his appearance. He looks uh, totally different um, to what he, you normally expect from him because usually he does comedy. For example, he's the he's in the American version of The Office, and he's usually a funny comedy character. In this film, he's very serious. It's very dark, and his character is a, a rich guy, extremely rich, one of the richest people in in America. Comes from an old old money family, a kind of waspish uh, family that whose uh, his mother is still alive. She breeds horses. She doesn't give him uh, enough attention. In fact, she hasn't given him enough attention. Uh, throughout his life including when he was a child and so this character played by Steve Carell is complicated but he's um, very very ambitious and he um, offers these brothers lots of money to join his wrestling team so that they can then um, become you know they can uh, win an Olympic gold medal for the USA but it turns out that Steve Carell's character is not everything that he seems and uh, we wander about him. There's some very dark, brooding moments where we think, what does this guy really want? What's actually going on? What's the relationship between him and the brothers? Um, is there a sort of is there a homosexual thing going on here you know you kind of read between the lines the film doesn't show you everything that's happening you have to try and work out what's going on by reading between the lines there's lots of silent moments with very heavy uh, atmosphere and um thinking about it now after having seen it i think it was a good piece of work i thought it was you know uh, captivating and an interesting psychological drama in which you're not quite sure what's going on but there's a sense of dread and threat at all times but my experience of watching it in the cinema when i was actually there it was too slow it was just too slow uh, performances were good although steve carell's performance was a little bit ridiculous just a little bit it was good but something a bit kind of grotesque about his performance um, which made me laugh sometimes during the film in fact and not not in a good way i found it a bit ridiculous um it would have been better i swear it would have been much better if it had just been sped up a little bit if they could just, you know, the editing could have just been a little bit little bit faster. Uh, they could have done the same story, but just sped up a bit. It would have been more engaging. Um, I would, it would have been more exciting. Um, I would have been gripped. I would have been on the edge of my seat, wondering what was going to happen next. The problem is the whole thing was just a bit too slow, and I, I got frustrated by that. So uh, good film, good characters, very atmospheric and moody, but just frankly too slow for me. Um, there you go those are my little movie re reviews of films i've seen recently the first one was uh, imitation game with benedict cumberbatch then it was it follows a little uh, indie horror film um and the third one uh, fox catcher starring channing tatum mark ruffalo steve carell um i would recommend imitation game out of that selection um what else do we have um there, there are certain going back to imitation game there are certain interesting things from a linguistic point of view okay as a linguist it's quite 
interesting because obviously the whole story of imitation game is about a guy who's trying to decode a secret language and so there are elements of linguistics there working out what the what the words in the code actually mean and trying to decode it from from context Um, but also alan turing's story is quite interesting from a linguistic point of view because of his um, ineptness uh, socially he's quite special uh, as he's a math genius but he's got no sense of um, how to deal with social interactions. In fact, he doesn't really understand the way in which people communicate. He's so logical and rational that he takes everything that people, uh, everything that people say um, uh, purely on face value. And in fact, when we communicate with each other, this is true in English and any other language, I imagine, when we communicate, we don't always say exactly what we mean. There's this thing called interlocutory force which is the, the, the actual message that uh, you're communicating. The message that you're communicating is not normally the message that's explicitly stated in your words. And there's a scene in the film which demonstrates this quite well. So he's working on solving the, the problem in this room with uh, the other members of his team, and they all get up to go and have lunch, and they come over to his desk, and one of them says, um, we're just going to have some lunch. And um, he and he goes, okay, um, because he doesn't realise that we're just going to have some lunch means, would you like to have lunch with us? In fact, it's a kind of tentative invitation to have lunch with them. Uh, we're just off to have some lunch. Um, and he doesn't realise that he's inviting him for lunch because he's so rational and logical, he just takes it on face value. And he goes, okay. Um, and there's this whole protracted scene where he doesn't understand, he's not sensitive and he's not able to communicate on a human level with uh, his colleagues and then in the end they all sort of hate him. So it's quite interesting just the um, a study of, of the way in which uh, we use language in a slightly irrational way and the way in which uh, words don't always mean what they seem to mean. Um, and that's demonstrated a few times in a few different scenes throughout the film. It's quite interesting that although he's an expert at breaking a code and understanding a secret language, he can't actually understand the normal language that human beings use on a daily basis. So it's quite ironic in that way. There's also a scene where he tries to tell a joke. He's learned. Kira Knightley's character has explained to him that he doesn't know how to interact with people and as a result nobody likes him. And so she she or someone else tells him that he needs to try and you know uh do certain things to make everyone like him so there's a scene where he tries to tell them a joke um but he gets it all completely wrong because the way that you tell a joke socially is that you have to choose your moment very carefully usually in a in a in a relaxed uh informal setting maybe in a in the pub when you're all having a few drinks and you're relaxing um and when people start making jokes and the time is right then you can tell your joke but he gets it wrong he arrives in the office in the morning and he sort of announces to the room um in a very uh, awkward way that he has a joke to tell them he tells them the joke delivers the punchline and then goes um so there you are and obviously no one laughs it's a perfect example of how not to tell a joke um it's interesting yes um, what was I going to? What else was I going to say? Um, that's that's pretty much it. Um, just at the end of this episode, um, somehow it seems a bit weird, maybe even inappropriate, to add this 
at the end of this episode here when I've just been rambling on about films and other stuff. But um, I wanted to mention it is that um, sadly, uh, very sadly, at the beginning, at at the end of last year, uh, the end of December, um, my grandfather Dennis uh, died and uh, the whole family's been very sad about it. Um, I wanted to just mention it was on my list, but what I'd like to do is, is devote a proper episode of the podcast to him because I think that, well, it's the least thing I, it's the absolute least I could do. I mean, when you lose someone in your family, it's difficult to know quite what the appropriate thing to do is. And what you want to do is celebrate that person's life or, 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 um, do something that uh, honours that person in the most appropriate way. And it's so hard. It's so hard really to summarise what it means to you when you lose someone that you love um, and someone who's very close to you, who you've known for your whole life. It's really hard to know not only how to express that feeling, but also how to express that feeling in a in a way that does justice to that person. And I, I don't know if mentioning it here at the end of an episode of my podcast is the appropriate way to do that but I didn't really know what the appropriate way to do it would be so I thought I'll just deal with I'll just try and explain it um it's nothing to do with you I suppose it's not really anything to do with you um but I wanted to say it just because somehow it's important to me um he uh, we had his funeral um in uh, in January uh, I was very very proud to have the opportunity to read his eulogy in the church so there was a, a funeral service in uh, his local church the church he used to attend and the church was was full of uh, people that he used to know at the church all of his friends uh, many of whom i met afterwards and you know my my mom and dad and my brother and um uh my uncle um and my aunt and my girlfriend and my brother's girlfriend uh, you know the members of the family we met all of these friends that he had that we'd never met before well that i ha- i hadn't met before uh the whole day was quite a moving experience obviously i'm very sad um about losing my grandfather um uh but um on the other hand i don't think that um he would want me or my, the rest of my family to to just go around being sad all the time i don't think anyone wants that and so, in a, despite the fact that I'm sad and obviously uh, I, I miss him a lot, and I and it's it's really hard to deal with the fact that I'll never see him again, um, and I'll never hear him talk. Uh, I'll never be able to ask him certain things I want to ask him, which I, for one reason or another, didn't manage to ask him when he was alive. Uh, he's gone from the world. It's so weird. It's so strange. Um, and um, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to deal with that. But I, I want to, what I really want to do is, uh, as I've said, devote a whole episode to him because he he had an interesting life. And uh, I mean, yeah, I would just like to talk about him. I think it would just be nice. I don't know if it's the best way to, to, to celebrate his life, but why not? It's the only way I've got. It's the only thing I have. It's the only... Uh, 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 forum that I can use really to um, talk about him and I think that actually the audience to Luke's English podcast are I think that you would be a great people a great audience to 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 uh, to hear that story so 
let's see, maybe I'll do an episode about him if I'm if I feel moved to do it. Okay, all right. So it, you might be wondering at this point, what do you what do you say to someone when when they've lost uh, a member of their family? Um, what do you say? What's the appropriate thing to say to someone who's who's uh, experiencing grief because they've lost someone lost someone um you can say well if you meet someone informally and they say yeah well my granddad died then you can say oh i'm really sorry to hear that i'm really sorry to hear that are you okay all right i'm really sorry to hear that um oh that's that's really sad um and um and now don't say what a pity because it oh what a pity no what a pity is when um, uh, you you wanted to book a restaurant but you couldn't because it was full. Oh, that's a pity. No, no, you should just say, "Oh, I'm, oh, that's really sad. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that." You can also say things like, "Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss. Really sorry for your loss." For more more formally, maybe in 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 written uh, English, you might say, "You know, uh, best wishes to all your family," or uh, "You have my condolences." condolences to your family condolences to your family that's that's quite a good thing to say um okay i think it's time to end this episode of the podcast on a slightly sad note but um you know there's no reason to be sad um ultimately ultimately when it comes down to it we all have the day in the future one day when uh uh when all of this will will end right i mean none of us expect to live forever do we of course we don't we live every day in the knowledge with the certainty that um that uh we won't be we won't be existing on earth forever and the people around us too i think it's uh it's it's okay to remember that sometimes and to, in fact it kind of brings you back to reality doesn't it when you realize that we're not here forever none of this is forever all the people around you it's not forever and, you know take take action now seize the day carpe diem Remember that before you know it, you could just wake up one day and it's all changed. You could wake up one day and someone who you've been thinking about or someone you've not been thinking about that you should have been thinking about is gone. So remember that now that the people around you, tell them what you think. Tell them that you love them. Tell them how much they mean to you. If you've got questions and things you need to say to the people around you, say them. Um, now I don't have a lot of regret about my my granddad because we were close. I did talk to him about lots of things I wanted to talk to him about, like the things that he did when he was young, uh, the things he did in his life, the 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 fact that he fought in the war, and other stuff like that. I did talk to him about a lot of those things. I think that you know he'd made peace uh, with the world and all that stuff, and it was okay. So I can now remember him with a sense of joy. Um, but um, just remember, none of this is forever. So uh, don't take anyone for granted. Don't take anyone for granted. Um, and um, just tell tell people that you love them, if you love them. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? All right, that's the end of this episode. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you again soon. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.